Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Stocks for beginners. The best you can do is be exceptionally good at something, whatever that is. And the best investment is anything that allows you to develop yourself. So it's about education. So figure out what you'd like to be. Find somebody who does it well and determine what it is that made them successful and then try and do that. And the idea behind that is if you can find something that you do really well and it's something that people need, that's how you combat inflation. Because if you have those things for you, then you're going to be in demand and you're going to be able to work your way through it. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Each year, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway holds its annual shareholders meeting in Omaha. It's known as the Woodstock for Value Investors. A recent guest on this podcast, Phil Weiss, mentioned that he was attending and I asked if he would return for a Berkshire report. Hello, Phil. Hi, Phil. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, Philip Weiss is the principal of Apprise Wealth Management, and um, we'll give you some details a bit later. But um, just tell us how it was. Was it a bit of a, um, a burning man for value investors? Yeah, it's, it's really a good experience going there for me anyway. It's been a while since I've been. It's been a while since the company has met too because of COVID. It's a chance for me to see some old friends, to talk about investing with a lot of other knowledgeable investors and to get some good food too. (laughs) So how long has this um, event been going for? And when did it kind of achieve cult status? I would say that it probably, I mean, Buffett bought Berkshire in the 60s. They've always had a shareholder meeting. I've been a shareholder since 98. And the first time I went though was 2013, but it had already started to reached cult status before that. I think it was probably in the early 2000s that it started to get this cult status where they estimate like 40,000 people come. I don't know that there were that many this year, but that's how many they estimate come in general. Before we went online, you mentioned that um, Charlie Munger is also there. So where are Charlie and Warren in the the pantheon of the value investing gods? Oh, they got to be right at the top. And they've been doing it for a long time. Charlie was really influential, I think, for Warren in some ways because he added more of a quality element. Warren, I think he started out with like the cigar butt approach, the the idea that if there's a a cigar butt on the street, you pick it up and there's one or two good puffs left in it. And that was kind of his investing. And Charlie really brought the quality element more into Warren's game. And I think that made a huge difference. So to attend the meeting, you have to have a certain number of Berkshire shares in the company. And there's a class A and B. Can you just talk us through how that works? So there are two classes of shares. The class A shares are several hundred thousand dollars each. And that was originally all that there was. And then in 1998, they offered the B shares for the first time. And they were set up at that time at one thirtieth of the value of the A shares. The A shares must have been around $60,000 back then, because I know it was like $2,000 for a B share. 
And then when they bought Burlington Northern, the B shares split further because they paid for part of that purchase with shares. And so now they're much less than that $2,000 on a per share basis. They're like 300 and something dollars a share. So what is about going to the annual meeting that um, seems so special for people? I think it's a few things. One is, as you referred to, it's kind of Woodstock for capitalists or Woodstock for value investors. Either one can work. It's different than any other shareholder meeting that I think that you'll go to because of the fact that you have Warren and Charlie who are still going fairly strong. Their combined age is 190. And they still sit there for five hours. There is an hour break, but they sit there for five hours and they answer questions from, this year was a little bit different. The other times that I was there, you had questions that came from Becky Quick from CNBC and some analysts, and they would alternate between those and the audience. This time it was just Becky Quick and the audience alternating with questions. They didn't answer as many questions because their answers were a little bit longer than they'd been in the past. But companies don't do that where they take all those questions from shareholders. And it's somewhat unique too, because most companies, they'll talk to the street or the analyst, whatever you want to call them. Buffett doesn't really do that. Berkshire releases earnings on Saturday morning, typically when the market's not open, the view being that that gives everybody a chance to see them while the market's not open, digest them. Nobody gets any information earlier. So it's a special occasion in terms of getting to communicate with the company and hear what they have to say about the company and its performance and answer all these questions, which are not just about the company. A lot of them are about investing in life in general. So it's a really good opportunity for that. And many people go year after year. This was my fourth time, but the first time since 2016 for me. And the people that I saw, you know, I did make some new friends, but a lot of them were old friends that I had seen the other years that I went. I mean, people just kind of make arrangements, go year after year. A lot of people will book their room for the next year as they're leaving this year. There's a lot of really good people and a lot of really good investors. So it's a good opportunity if you're, if you like investing, not everybody that's there is a professional. There's many people there that are individuals that just want to go. I think this year, one of the reasons the number of people are down, still probably pandemic related, because we noticed that there typically are a lot of people that come from China. There really weren't that many because China's got such a severe lockdown right now. So that's probably one of the things that held the crowd down a little bit. Charlie and Warren have got an incredible history behind them. And they've seen so many market cycles and they've been in and out of fashion so many times. And over the last few years during all of the growth stock bubble, they have been put aside to a certain extent, but they must be roaring back right now into relevance. Yeah, value investing in general has done better. It's been the first time in a while because, as you said, growth stocks have really performed strongly. I mean, they went through this. Like I said, I purchased shares in 98 for the first time, and that was probably a little bit of an out-of-favor time for the company back then because we had the internet bubble that was just starting to brew back then. And every time growth goes crazy, growth stocks really perform well. There's people that talk down value investing in Berkshire, but it does seem to keep on ticking. I just want to get back to the the price of stock in Berkshire and uh, how it's hundreds of thousands of dollars worth now for the A-class shares. That's because they've never done a stock split, have they? Many companies, you know, Apple has done so many stock splits over the years, but um, they've never done a stock split. They don't see this as necessary? I mean, the closest they came was when they did the B shares. And it's just, I think, partly because they became so expensive. 
with the hundreds of thousands of dollars, not many people can't approach purchasing a share. Part of the reason that they don't talk to the analyst community is that they believe in long-term shareholders. I think there was a time during the meeting that Warren made reference to the idea that these companies that are out there doing road shows and all these other things and analyst meetings, it's like, what's wrong with the shareholders you have? Why, why are you trying to get new ones? Berkshire would rather have shareholders for a long time. And so part of it was that. And there's people that have held these shares for many, many years, longer than I have. And that's important to them. It's a part of a culture. And in that culture, you don't need to split shares. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So talk us through this year's event. So for me, I fly into Kansas City. And I rent a car and I drive to Omaha. I like to get there on Thursday. I got there Thursday this year and had dinner with some friends. And then Friday, there's a lot of events going on the whole time. Friday, I went to a breakfast that was hosted by Vitaly Kassnelson, who's written several books on the markets. And he's written a new book, which is actually not on finance. But he was there, and so I went to the breakfast that he had. He's from Russia, so he had some interesting perspectives on the situation in Ukraine as well. And then from there, Gabelli, Mario Gabelli, his firm was hosting something, so I went and caught part of that. And I went to a lunch that somebody hosted. Then we went shopping, actually. There's a lot of shopping. It's a big weekend for Berkshire in terms of sales because the same facility that they have the meeting in, there's space down below that's very large and a lot of the berkshire companies come in there and they sell their wares and some of them you can learn more about the company and what it does and i always find that that's interesting beyond the to me it's not just about purchasing but they have knowledgeable people from different units of the company and you can learn more about what they do and and how it works and all that kind of thing this year i talked to somebody from the part of the company that does some medical devices and they talked about like the different metals that they use and why they use them and things like that. And then there was another section that I went to where there was somebody that talked to us about some of the machining tools and products that they have and how when you think about it, it was kind of interesting. He was The gentleman was saying that when you can knock a couple seconds off the time it takes to make a product, when you're making so many products, it can really add to a huge benefit for the person that's buying the good like if you can simplify their process and knock seconds off of something that's a repeatable process it makes a big difference and that's kind of the incremental value that they can add and then they had seize candies uh, warren during the meeting said that they had i think it was eleven thousand tons or, or maybe that's too much maybe it's just 11 tons but 11 tons of seize candy i don't think it was eleven thousand. i think it was 11 tons but that's still he loves his candy doesn't he <laughs> yes he does i mean they sit there he and charlie when they're up on the stage there's always peanut brittle is Warren's favorite. You can always see them with their peanut brittle that they're eating. Some people say it's to keep them awake. 
<laughs> Good thing it doesn't gum up their mouths. That's right. Okay, so we're still at Friday, and the meeting itself is on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah. One thing that was different this year, people do start lining up as early as 4.30 in the morning, I, I'm told. I've done that in the past. I did not do that this year because we didn't think it would be as crowded. And the doors open at 7, and they start with a film at 8.30, which you only see if you attend the meeting. You know, they live stream it, but you don't see the uh, film during the live stream. Mm-hmm. What was the film, sorry, before we go on? Oh, so really, it's a lot of commercials. Oh, right. <laughs> it's all different companies that Berkshire either has shares of, like American Express and Apple and Coke. It's also things about Berkshire products as well. And so usually lasts about a half hour. And there's a couple of little skits and bits in there too, but most of it's really kind of commercials for products that Berkshire sells. And then the meeting starts and they answer questions for three hours. And then there's an hour break. Most people go, you get lunch and that area where I said that they have the good for sale. A lot of people go down there. Some people buy stuff. Some people walk around. They have things too, like they sell Clayton homes. So they have actually a modular home that you can walk through. They have a net jet. They had a flight simulator there this year. They have I forget the line, but they have some super large mobile homes, right? That you can use and go with the people that like to go on those really long trips across the country. And then they can park in a camping ground and sleep on it. They're very nice. The accommodations are, are pretty nice. They have those type of things. And then after that, then they go for another three hours and then they have like a shareholder meeting. Okay. Well, let's get down to the, uh, the nuts and bolts of the meeting. And um, what's of interest to investors this year? So there were a few things. I wrote a blog where I talked a little bit about some of the things that I thought were of particular interest to me. We'll put a link in the uh, show notes for that. Oh, that would be great. They talked about stewardship of client assets and how important that is to them. And that's something as a financial advisor that's important to me as well, too, because I know when somebody hires me to work for them, they're depending upon me. And we've had a difficult market, and it's not pleasant to watch the value of assets go down. But they talked about that. They also talked a little bit about all the mania that's been going on between Robinhood and the meme stocks and things like that, and they had some harsh words for that. There were certainly the obligatory questions around cryptocurrency, which anybody that follows Berkshire at all knows that Charlie's not a big fan, and Warren went through a a really good example as to why they don't like cryptocurrency. And the basic reason, if I skip through to the bottom line, is that it doesn't really provide a return. It's hard to value and it doesn't provide a return. He said, he gave an example. He said, if somebody told him that they owned all the commercial real estate in the world and we're going to give him 1% and he was going to pay $5 billion, it doesn't really matter the amount, but he said, I'd probably do that because I know what I'm going to get from it and it seems like a good investment. There was another example. He used two examples and he said, but then if somebody came and said that they had all the crypto in the world or all the Bitcoin in the world and wanted $25 for it, he said, I don't think I'd give it to him because I don't know what it's worth and I don't have any way to know that I'm going to get a return from it. There were questions around, they've got such a good track record and they say that they can't market time. And Warren's like, I don't market time. I'm not good at it. If I really was, I would have bought in March of 20 and I wasn't buying then. But it's to reinforce the idea that long-term investing is what it's about. Buying good quality companies that you can hold for the long-term. That's always part of the message that comes out of Berkshire. They also talked about the idea that I 
brought up before about the importance to them of long-term ownership and culture. And that's one of the things that they think will allow Berkshire to endure after they're gone because that culture should remain. I mean, one thing I do wonder about is if they will continue to have this kind of meeting when they are gone. And they have added Ajit John, who runs the insurance business, and then Greg Abel, who's in charge of Berkshire Hathaway Energy. They were part of the panel in the morning, but not in the afternoon. There's a big difference between the two of them and Warren and Charlie. Ajit's probably a little bit more like Warren and Charlie in terms of how he answers things. Greg, his company was a public company before Berkshire acquired it, so he may be a little bit less open than they are on certain things. I just wanted to go back a little bit to the structure of Berkshire, and it's always been the insurance business that's provided the cash flow for them to be able to buy the assets that they've wanted. He calls it the float, doesn't he? Am am I correct in saying that? That's correct, yeah. And what that float really is, is think about it this way. When you get an insurance policy, you pay the premium today. And it may be years or never at all until they have to pay anything out. So that money that they have, those premiums that they haven't paid out, that's really what makes up the float. And so they have a lot of insurance that has long tails. So that gives them that extra money to invest. And that's one of the things that makes Berkshire's insurance business different from everybody else's because most insurance companies just buy bonds and fixed income investments and things like that. And Berkshire's actually use it to buy stock and buy businesses. And I mean, and those businesses provide additional cash flow to them. If it's a stocks that pay dividends, that becomes cash for them. And then their businesses themselves also provide cash flow. And one of the things that's neat about that whole conglomerate structure that they have is that it allows Berkshire to basically be self-funding. If a business needs capital, they don't have to go outside to a bank. There's another business within Berkshire that can provide that capital. And it's all about the accounting, isn't it? I mean, that's what's been Warren's passion his whole life has been reading balance sheets, isn't it? It's an accountant's eye for what's good value in a business. That's certainly part of it. I think he just loves cash flow. Companies that throw off good cash flow are really important to him. Accounting is an interesting topic for him too. He has criticized, and rightly so at times, the idea that accounting used to just do everything at historical cost. And then they put some changes in and some things that used to be at historical cost, now they get written up to fair market value or down to fair market value, especially like these investments in stocks, because we know that the market goes up and down. And so that can lead to different levels of fluctuation in Berkshire's earnings than we've seen in the past. And the bottom line is that if you don't sell, that fluctuation doesn't matter that much, but yet it does impact their earnings. And he doesn't really like the idea of EBITDA either, does he? No, he does not. (laughs) Definitely not. Think about it. If you buy an asset, you're expending cash. And if you borrow money, it costs to borrow. So why should those be excluded? Really, it's a revelation for many people. It was a revelation for me reading a couple of Warren's books about how simple investing should be. But then so many times we overcomplicate it, don't we? We do. We want to find good, high-quality businesses that generate cash flow. A lot of times that's all it is, but you have to know that that's stable cash flow. And a lot of what makes it so simple for him is he probably reads more annual reports than anybody else that we know. So he can make decisions pretty quickly because he knows exactly what he's looking for. 
Yeah, because he's got his own checklist, really, hasn't he? <laughs> Straight away. Yeah. Was there any discussion about the current inflationary environment that we're going through at the moment? Yes, it was definitely a topic of discussion at the meeting because it's high on everybody's list of things to worry about, think about, however you want to put it. And I thought his answer was interesting because it was not a conventional answer at all. First of all, I'll tell you that the person asking the question was really trying to get a stock tip. And that's something that Buffett's never going to do, nor Munger. They just <laughs> don't do that. But I thought his answer provided some really good suggestions, especially if you have kids. And the idea was the best you can do is be exceptionally good at something, whatever that is. And the best investment is anything that allows you to develop yourself. So it's about education. So figure out what you'd, you'd like to be. Find somebody who does it well and determine what it is that made them successful and then try and do that. And the idea behind that is if you can find something that you do really well and it's something that people need, that's how you combat inflation. Because if you have those things for you, then you're going to be in demand and you're going to be able to work your way through it. So you can deal with inflation by being able to generate your own income? Is that the lesson of that? That was basically it. Find something that you can do, do it well learn how to do it, find out what will make you successful. And then if you can do that, you're always going to be in demand. And that means that even if there's inflation, well, you'll still have some income coming in and that's how you can kind of combat it. The market hadn't started its downturn a couple of weeks ago, really had it at that stage. It was down, but not as much as it's been down since. And I will say that the beginning of the meeting before he got to questions and he was talking about the company and its performance during the first quarter, Berkshire was very active in the market. Some people may know that they announced the purchase of Allegheny, which is another insurance company. And he did take some questions on that. And, and he kind of told the story about like how that came to be during the meeting. But they also took a significant stake in Occidental Petroleum and Chevron. They bought some more Apple. Those are the main ones that I know, but I believe the number was that they bought about $50 billion worth of stock. Now, those are not always Warren's decisions because he has put two gentlemen, Ted Wexler and Combs, in charge of a certain piece of the portfolio because they're the ones that are going to be running that part of Berkshire when he and Charlie are gone. Usually they make the smaller purchases and the bigger ones are Warren's. We buy Allegheny, that's him. Just small $50 billion purchases. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> since the numbers were pretty big, most of that 50 was probably, Warren was behind it, but the smaller ones are usually the other guys. And they also had bought a stake in Activision Blizzard, which there was an announcement, it hasn't been formally approved yet, that they were buying Activision Blizzard. And that started in December, and then they continued a little bit into the first quarter as well. The bottom line for me is that if you're a shareholder, or if you know somebody that is, because every shareholder can actually get four tickets, if you're a fan of investing, I recommend that you try to get there before it's too late. It's a good experience. You know, it's changed. Like we said before, this is the first time that they held this since 2019. The biggest difference I noticed was that a lot of people decided to live stream, even though they were there. They live stream because they could be more comfortable than they could in the arena. So there were a number of people that live streamed the event instead of going. But then I also know I met a John Templeton who started Franklin Templeton. His niece is a money manager. And I met her and she actually blogged about this for her firm. She and her husband run a firm together. 
but they brought their daughters and she actually wrote a post talking about how she loved to connect with other parents and have more kids come because it's really important for financial literacy. I think there's a lot of parents that do bring their kids along as well, don't they? Just so they can hopefully learn something about investing. There are some. Now, the group that I am with the most don't, but I know that there are some. And I've talked about it with my kids. I actually, my kids are a little bit older and one of my sons would love to go, but he has finals this week. So it was too close to finals for him to be able to come with me. So uh, Phil, just before we finish off, tell us a little bit more about a prize wealth so we can just hear about you again and um, what you offer clients. Well, thank you. So prize wealth, it is a fee-only registered investment advisory firm. I am based in Maryland, about 20 miles north of Baltimore, though I have clients all over the country because we can meet virtually. And that's something that's become a lot easier to do and more accepted since the pandemic. My firm is fee-only. That means that I don't sell products. I don't earn commissions. I provide my clients with a fiduciary oath because it's important to me that my clients understand that it's my goal to work in their best interests and put their interests ahead of my own. I work with a, a niche that I have is I, I work with a lot of professional women. I lost my mom to cancer when she was 53 and finances in my house growing up were a mess. And I view it that I'm trying to help my mom by helping these other people. She's no longer here, unfortunately, but I can still try and help people like her. And you're very active on Twitter as well, I've noticed. <laughs> yes, thanks. <laughs> Some excellent posts there as well to follow. What's the handle on Twitter? It's at a prize wealth. So it's at A-P-P-R-I-S-E-W-E-A-L-T-H. I blog weekly, and you can find my blog on my website, which is apprisewealth.com, A-P-P-R-I-S-E-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. And you can schedule a meeting or you can sign up for my blog or just check it out. There's a search tool. If there's a topic that's of interest to you, you can look through my blog to see if I've written about it or shared because I alternate my content between things that I've written myself and then sharing things that others have written that I think is worth sharing. Great. Well, all links will be in the episode notes, so you can uh, just check them out below this episode. Phil Weiss, thank you very much for joining me again today. Thanks so much for having me, Phil. It's a pleasure speaking with you. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.